0: Lock
1: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
2: And greetings. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd and he is Aaron McIntyre. You are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can do that by emailing the show, or you can go to Facebook, MeWe Parlor and Gab, look for just my name, Steve Dace there, or look for Steve Dace Show at Steve Dace Show on Twitter or over on Getter, J G-E-T-T-R, and get clips of the show that you can watch for free. That are also free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve day show. And then finally, if you are a podcast listener, thank you, please. If you've yet to do so, leave us a five star review, hit the subscribe or follow button. So many thousands of you have done these things already to help our show improve its standing with the algorithms. And frankly, I think we all know we could use all the algorithm assistance we can get on this program. All right. So thanks to all of you that have done those. We appreciate each and every one of you have yet to do so. Please consider doing so today. Also, please consider we have a brand new partner here on the program. It is called Battle Box. It is your go-to monthly subscription for hand-picked outdoor survival and everyday carry gear. They sent me a sample of one of these boxes. I brought it in for you, Aaron, because this is right up your alley. You know me. Survival for me is can I win the U.S. Open at Wolf Springs on the hardest level on Rory McIlroy Golf. That is survival for me. Okay. Uh, But uh, you are really into this. Okay. So I brought this box in for you to sample last week. Aaron's face lit up like I gave him a new end table to, you know, make with his bare hands over a long holiday weekend,
3: right? So give us the review. What do you think? You're the guy that you're the target audience for this. So I'll give you a a longer form kind of review of what's in the box and kind of a quick too long, didn't read or too long, didn't listen uh, review. The longer review is that there's tons of useful stuff in there. If you're into camping, if you're into survival gear and things like that, there's a um, a multi-tool carabiner. So, you know, one of those clips that also has a flint in it that works really well. I actually used it right in here, not to set any fires, but that works really well. Uh, a few MREs uh, that you can have as well. There's a nice knife in there too. And uh, so there's just all sorts of really useful stuff. These are not just gadgets like, ha we'll play with this. The bottom line for the short form review here is, I felt like I could take that box and just like head out into the boonies somewhere and I would be just fine for at least a week or so until I can actually, you know, start killing my own food. There is that type of material in there. So really, really cool product. I was showing it to a a buddy of mine yesterday as well. And he was blown away with the, the variety and usefulness as well so there you go and so
2: if you want to sign up receive survive what are you waiting for don't miss another battle box mission from now until march 31st get a free mystery box worth over 100 bucks plus with any new subscription at trybattlebox.com slash steve that's a free mystery box worth over a 100 bucks or more right now at trybattlebox all one word trybattlebox.com slash steve that's trybattlebox.com slash steve We have a very truncated week for you. In fact, we're only here for two days this week. I'm heading out to take the family on a Florida vacation to Universal Studios on Wednesday. So we got a lot of ground to cover here over the next two days on the show. Next hour, we're going to give you an abridged edition. We're going to post separately the full message. I had a chance to speak to a men's group here in town a couple of weeks back and we opened our Bibles and we went line by line through Nehemiah 13 to challenge the men that that the men of this country need to be challenged. Uh, you are meant to be more than whatever this thing is that we are, this sorry state of masculinity today happens to be. And if we don't realize this very soon and learn how to aggressively Yet peaceably, power under control, confront evil. We are going to sentence our sons to have to do this in non-peaceable means very soon. The clock of history is ticking. So I have a message for the men of America that is going to take up the bulk of next hour. And that's the edited version. The full message, the full sermon I gave is about 45 minutes. We will post that on our Rumble page later at rumble.com slash Steve day show. You don't want to miss this. I'll tell you this when it was done, when I got done, one of the wives that came in to cook breakfast for the men that morning came up to me. Tears in her eyes. Thanking me for what I said and did to these men. So, If you're one of those guys, you're going to wince your way through this next hour. Chances are somewhere there's a mom, a sister, a wife, or a girlfriend of yours that would like you to stop wincing and start confronting. That's coming up next hour on the show. Speaking of confrontation, a man who is no stranger to it, and that's what we love about him. My good buddy Congressman Chip Roy will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour as Chip thought he was going scorched earth before, but he's nicer than me. Chip is now going my definition of scorched earth, so I'm completely down with this now. All right, so we will name names and point you in the right direction of who needs to be called out and confronted. That's coming up at the bottom of this hour. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
3: What happened while we were away brought to you by winning. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has tried his darndest to turn what's going on in Ottawa right now into the Canadian version of January 6th. He, along with his jackbooted thugs and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Ottawa Police Department, have thoroughly turned into tyrants.
2: If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions
3: and criminal charges. Absolutely. On Friday, Ottawa police sent in a team of horseback policemen right into a crowd of protesters, trampling a few, including this elderly lady in a mobility scooter. Nevertheless, the truckers resisted the temptation to turn violent, and in turn, several other protests kicked off around Canada in solidarity with the main event in Ottawa. The premier of the province of Alberta, Jason Kenney, announced over the weekend he's launching a legal battle to roll back Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act. Sentence published in the Washington Post recently, the belief that one's entitlement to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. In Ukraine, it continues to be unclear what happens next. There were a couple of explosions in the separatist-controlled Donetsk region of Ukraine over the weekend, but no military movement reported as of now. French President Emmanuel Macron has reportedly brokered trilateral talks between France, Russia, and the U.S. Back at home, a New York Times expose this weekend revealed, surprise, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention isn't publicly releasing large swaths of data regarding COVID hospitalizations and hasn't been for basically the last two years. A lot of that data recently has to do with age stratification and vaccine status. The Times spoke to a CDC official who said the agency has been reluctant to make those figures public because they might be misinterpreted as the vaccines being ineffective. Headline at The Atlantic over the weekend, mask mandates are illogical. So what? Another chart from researcher Ian Miller, cases in Hong Kong are now up 58,000 percent since Vox wrote an article describing how, quote, masks helped Hong Kong control coronavirus. Checking in on Bill Gates. You know, sadly, the virus itself, particularly the, the variant called Omicron, uh, is a type of vaccine that is it creates both B cell and T cell immunity. And it's done a better job of getting out to the world population uh, than we have with vaccines. Checking in on red states after badgering from a lefty teachers union, Republicans in the Indiana state Senate have watered down a bill that would allow parents more transparency in reviewing what their children are being taught in schools. Republicans have a 39 to 11 majority in the Indiana Senate. In Utah, Republican Governor Spencer Cox is set to veto a school choice bill. Cox has taken $75,000 in donations from the nation's largest teachers union. Moving on, an official for Meta—that's the company you know better as Facebook—was caught in an amateur child sex sting. Jaron A. Miles thought he was talking to a 13-year-old boy online when, in reality, he was talking to adults conducting the sting.
0: So you're telling this 13-year-old boy that he makes you horny? Correct?
3: Could be perceived as such, yes. Oh, quit the bull <laughs> Bro, I'm sick of your Good. I won't have any restraint around you if I'm horny. What does that mean?
1: It means I was flirting. I was talking to him. Throughout all of this, I'll let you know there was never any intention of ever meeting up with him.
3: In addition to being a high-ranking official with Facebook, Miles was also a Rainbow Jihad activist and serves on the board of directors for Equality California. Facebook has since terminated their relationship with Miles. And finally, this Virginia mother went to her school board and confronted them about their mask hypocrisy.
0: Ms. Cass, you also yelled at me the last time I was here for taking off my mask, but here's a picture of you right here on Facebook with a crowd
4: of people That's it.
0: with no mask on. Uh, this Excuse is my me? time and I don't interrupt no. you. Here's another picture no. with you with a no mask on. I'm sorry, Ms. Vaught, you are done. If you are going to sit there and disparage a member of our school board, then you can sit down. If you have something
1: effective to say, I, have
0: facts and truth on I
1: am not going to sit here.
0: This isn't about you anymore. It's about can we have a police officer, please?
3: And that's what happened Well, we were away.
2: Aaron's Montage is brought to you by our friends over at Better Spectacles. If you like my glasses, um, you can get one of these yourself because that's where I got my glasses from, including the handcrafted German-engineered and imported Rodenstock frames that uh, now make it possible For us to not have to wear the dorkiest glasses in the world, particularly when we have problematic prescriptions, as I do, a little bit far and a little bit near. Um, So whether you've got problematic or bifocals or you've just got one or the other, a pretty simple prescription, they can help you one way or the other over there at betterspectacles.com. And you don't have to leave your house. You do a teleoptical appointment with some of the best trained opticians in the country that they make available for you. 61% off is your introductory offer to get you started today. And they'll throw in the handcrafted Rodenstock frames for free. 61% off and maybe the most decorated iFrame company in the world's frames for free to get you started when you visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, that is betterspectacles.com slash Steve. So let's get to... The montage, shall we? If I could title today's montage, it would be called Clarity. Clarity abounds in this montage. Let us begin with the CDC because I don't care about Ukraine and neither should you. We have been invaded by our own government over the last 23 months. We sent over there a vice president who can't bring herself to visit and deal with the border that she was put in charge of policing for her own country. And frankly, I am just, my way of life is much more under threat from Vladimir Putin at this point. Except it's not. That's what they want us to believe. Your way of life is much more under threat from your own government than Vladimir Putin at this point. I won't tell you his name. A buddy of mine sent me a piece that he had written asking me to promote it, demanding that President Biden bolster the military presence we have in the rest of the Baltic states that belong to NATO. I don't care. I, don't, I didn't share it. I didn't respond. I... I don't, I don't care. I'm fighting for my own way of life right here in my own country and on like a subatomic level. So I don't care. And neither should you. Especially when it's in service to a government that deploys a health agency that admits to its own media in the New York Times. That admits to its own media in the New York Times that admits to its own media in the New York times that it doesn't want to tell you the truth about COVID data because it would undermine their narrative. There would only be fear of sharing real stratified data about the not vaccine. No one, no one listen to me again. No one is in America is vaccinated from COVID. No one in the world is. If these were the vaccines they took. If you took any of these mRNA vaccines, you are not vaccinated. I don't care how many times you've taken them. You've been lied to or you lied to yourself. Because under any definition we previously had of the term vaccine, they would not apply. They would not meet the threshold. And wait till I show you some data on tomorrow's show. we're going to dive into this a little bit deeper tomorrow for fake news or not so mark it down but there's only one reason why they would fear showing you the data would send a message that the products aren't effective it's because the data shows that the products
4: aren't effective because they're not they're not
2: effective they're just, they're just not. And there, there's no way to verify on the whole severe illness thing because by that standard, then vitamin D is now. Vitamin D is a vaccine now because the number one indicator of severe COVID illness is vitamin D deficiency. It's in over 80% of the severe COVID illnesses we had. That, that is data that our CDC shared with us last year, 2021. So here's the thing though. huh, can you guys think of a regulatory body that might oversee the like funding of the CDC? Congress does it doesn't don't all appropriations begin in the u s. Congress? I think um, I read that in a in a dusty document once. We used right? to see things on
0: Sesame Street, didn't we? What's a bill on Capitol Hill, that yeah. kind
2: of stuff. Yeah, I believe I believe appropriations begin in Congress. And didn't they just have a thing last week to determine whether or not to continue funding these lies and mandates? I believe they did. And didn't a bunch of didn't the Republicans conspire against you and me in order to keep that government going? Again, yes. Which is exactly what we're going to talk to Chip Roy about here at the bottom of the hour. CDC is a much bigger threat to my way of life right now than if Vladimir Putin controls all of the former Soviet Union, frankly. It's not even close. It's not even close. He could resurrect the entire Soviet Union. Honestly, what would be much different if you, if you're, if you, what what are we on? 30 straight weeks or something of protest weekends in a row in France. What is the, what, honestly, what is the difference between living under Macron who literally went Khrushchev about a month ago, banging a shoe at the podium, we will bury you for daring to assert your bodily autonomy. What is different about living under Emmanuel Macron than Vladimir Putin? Just a different set of issues that that particular tyrant cares about. What's what's that much different? Really? If you comply with Putin, life in Moscow is pretty good. If you don't, you don't. If you comply with Macron, life in Paris, gay Paris is very gay. If you don't, it's not. Really, what's much, what is much different? Oh, I'm not if the lying. entire Soviet Union was resurrected, I'd still be more, of, more threatened by my media and CDC and public health officials and Anthony Fauci at all than I would be by that. And I don't even think it's debatable. And I'm not happy to say that. Again, I'm a we're America bitch, child of the 80s. I like planting the flag. Now it's being planted on me though. So it kind of has a different meaning and ring to it. If, if the fraud of these last 23 months could be summed up in just one headline, it would be what Aaron highlighted from the Atlantic Which remember created the first database of COVID panic porn. Remember that. Right away, the Atlantic was your hub for COVID panic porn. They created the first database for it. And now, hey, imposing on your ability to breathe doesn't have to make sense, it doesn't matter. There doesn't have to be a standard. There needs not be any kind of lemon test. We don't have to know if something is effective. It doesn't have to be held accountable to any standard of effectiveness or efficacy whatsoever. Because what are you going to do about it? Exactly. What are you going to do about it? Let's Let's, find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. Bill Gates... First of all, props to so many of you. I've gotten this email dozens of times the last few days. Basically saying, Steve, is is Bill Gates just admitting your theory? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, That's pretty much what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you that don't know. My long-standing theory on the origins of the virus is that the virus itself is the alpha strain of a vaccine they attempted to preemptively create in those labs against the next SARS or MERS level event. That the virus itself is the vaccine in its original form. This whole montage should be called DACE has been right for two years. <laughs> and that the reason why... Their vaccines, which aren't vaccines by any previous definition of the term. So the, the reason why their jabs continually fail and you keep having to get reboosted over and over and over again. And by the way, the fourth dose data in Israel, it's just. I think I had this for you last week. Israel's own data is showing fourth dose efficacy for Pfizer is down to 30 percent. It was down to 11 percent for Moderna. We don't know what the long term risks are of taking these injections once, let alone four times in a calendar year. So of course the CDC just announced today or yesterday that they're planning for a fourth boosters here. Right after they told you that they're not going to give you the real data that would show you whether this stuff actually works or not. I think was it, didn't Scotland just make this announcement on Friday they were going to stop showing you this data? for fear that, well, it would undermine their narrative. Because it does. History shows, folks, whether it is the church or whether it is the state, whoever's on the side of censoring objective information and truth-seeking is on the wrong side of history. And throughout history, it has come from the church and the state. Whoever is doing this is on the wrong side of history. They're never the good guys. The people who are censoring the objective seeking of truth are never the good guys. It doesn't matter what institutional label, what robes or gowns that adore, adore they, they adorn. It doesn't matter. Whoever's on the side of, and you know why? Because they're opposed to the laws of nature and nature's God. I mean, what are the Ten Commandments? A very basic hermeneutical summation of the character of God. Why is it wrong to bear false witness? Because God is truth. Why is it wrong to steal? Because God is provider. Why is it wrong to kill? Because God is the source of life. And on and on and on it goes. They are a revelation of the character of God. That's what they are. Character of the creator. So whoever is in the business of stymieing access to truth is working for the the team down down below. They're, They're working for the team down under. I'm not even talking about Australia. They're just getting closer to that place. No, the real Down Under. They're on Team Down Under. Like, way down. They're never on the right side of history. Doesn't matter what religious regalia they adorn themselves with. It doesn't matter what enlightened, secular, utopian schemes they use to camouflage their own real schemes. They're always, 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 They're the bad guys every single time. And now here we are with their attempts to stymie this virus. And they all failed, maybe made it worse. By any, any rudimentary study of data, Delta was worse in 2021 than what I would call the beta strain was in 2020. By any, any, by any rudimentary study of data. 2021 was worse with COVID despite jabs than 2020 was without them. Even if I allow you some benefit of the doubt that some of that was because we were more in public and less locked down. It doesn't explain the full capability of that virulence. I'll tell you what would though. A leaky vaccine that caused antibody dependent enhancement. An evolutionary, small e, inferior product that therefore strengthened the resolve of the alpha in the room. That would do it. That's a possible explanation. That in many respects, the vaccines were victims of viral interference. Like the flu and so many other viruses were, where they went by the wayside for the superior strain. That's what happens with your jabs until eventually nature found a way in and of itself with just good old fashioned virology an endemicized virus or variant called omicron comes around milder and provides the very immune protection from the more serious strains that we were looking for all this time, which kind of then begs another question, doesn't it? Would this have happened sooner had we not attempted to mass jab into a pandemic? I mean, we've been told that we don't get to ask questions about, well, the masks don't work. Well, they would be be even worse if we didn't wear them. I mean, the lockdowns, well, it would have been even worse if we didn't lock down. Okay. Well, two can play at that game, then. Two can argue unverifiable fallacies, then. Is it not possible, therefore, that if your jab made the virus and Delta variant worse last year, that we would have had some form of an Omicron-level variant earlier and sooner had we practiced a traditional protection of of the vulnerable and then herd immunity for everybody else strategy that worked for, I don't know, 6,000 years. Is that possible? Because that seems to be what's happening right now. And it's so obvious that now even Mr. Gates has to admit it. And then a high-ranking Facebook official caught in a child sex sting Who's on the board of some rainbow jihad group in California. Requires no commentary. The story is the commentary. The story is the commentary. The facts of the story are commentary self-contained. Gentlemen, your thoughts.
3: Going to that last thing kind of the kicker of the the woman at the school board meeting just showing just showing the hypocrisy right to their faces this is what i was talking about on friday when we're talking about uh, justin uh, trudeau or castro whichever you would like in being drunk on power when you hear that school board member remember this is a school board member they have no personal power They have very narrow jurisdictional authority in terms of, you know, uh, allocating funds to this and that and, uh, you know, what curriculum we're going to teach. They have very little jurisdictional authority. And yet that school board member, send in the cops, arrest her, take her away. Yes. (laughs) Those people are so drunk on power. The peons, your employees, the glorified, I don't know... um, secretaries. That, that's basically what school board members are. They are your secretary, glorified secretary. You hire to run the schools for you. They have become so drunk on this power. that They think they can just arrest you. Just say the word and you're arrested. What must it be like when you actually have real power? Well, we're, we're seeing that with Justin Trudeau right now. And we will continue to see that at least for the next week or so probably.
2: We'll come back. We do have one guy that's fighting for us. The question is are we going to fight with him? Congressman Shiproy joins us here in a moment. Mentioned a couple of minutes ago, we have a short week this week heading to Florida for some vacation. I was a little worried. We had a nice little uh, preview of spring the last few days here in Iowa. Today is kind of the last day of that. I was worried that yeah, now that's my luck. I go to Florida finally for a winter vacation, and that's when we're going to have this real mild winter. Thankfully, the cold weather is returning while I'm gone uh, to somewhat, to, so I feel more justified in this expense. Okay, but here's the thing: it's going to be 18 degrees when we leave here. 88 degrees when we arrive there, a 70 degree difference. So you know what I am bringing with me, folks. I'm bringing the sweat block. Okay, I mean it's just a that's going to be a dramatic difference. So I'm bringing my sweat block deodorant with me. You can use the sweat block sweat block wipes uh, under your armpits as well if you struggle with excessive sweating. Doctor created, doctor recommended. All right, if they don't keep you dry from excessive sweat. Get your money back guaranteed. And you can use this on all parts of your body too, not just your armpits. Um, they've even got deodorant lotions for those more sensitive regions that can also get a little swampy at times. So if you want to give sweatblock a shot or you want to go back and check it out again, get it today. For 20% off when you go to sweatblock, just like it sounds, sweatblock.com and use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. Promo code Dace. 20% off at sweatblock.com. Well, speaking of causing and causes of excessive sweating, uh, my good friend and Congressman Chip Roy is here because he is antagonizing and irritating all the right people. Good to see you, brother. How are you?
1: Great to be on, Steve. Hope you're having a good, uh, had a good weekend with your family and great to be with you.
2: So you've heard me say this before and so is the audience, but I think it bears repeating after watching what went down last week. Democrats, the biggest difference between the two parties when it comes to how they conduct their affairs in Washington is behaviorally is this statement in my opinion. Democrats inspire their base to get to the outcome that they want. Republicans conspire against their base to get to the outcome that they want. It seems to me that what you witnessed last week over the continuing resolution is just a living anecdotal confirmation of that credo. Am I wrong?
1: Steve, you're exactly right. Look, I have been watching politics up close and personally like you have for a long time. What I saw last week might be the worst display I have ever seen uh, among a Republican group of leadership that I don't expect a lot out of. But when all of us are calling for, the, the people out there fighting are saying, go stand up and fight for us. Stop funding the very enforcement of these vaccine mandates that are causing people to lose their jobs, causing the nurse in my district to look at possibly getting fired here in the next couple of weeks after her husband already got fired because of these vaccine mandates, because of government, because of the power of government, all I ask is a simple question. What Republican in good conscience can vote to fund enforcement of those mandates? We asked a simple question. Obviously, 51 Republicans in the House voted still for the CR. Fast forward to last week, and your audience knows this, but it bears remembering that when we forced a vote on an amendment, okay, Mike Lee on an amendment to defund the mandates, to stop the vaccine mandates, and then Ted Cruz's amendment to stop the child masking in schools. You had four Republicans who literally walked out, weren't there. Lindsey Graham was in Israel, Richard Burr, I have no idea where he was, allegedly fishing, who knows. And then Jim Inhofe and Mitt Romney, That bag of garbage, Mitt Romney, was literally voting that day and walked out, walked out on the American people and refused to vote. And then that night, 19 Republican senators still voted to fund the enforcement of those mandates. It is absolutely appalling. And I refuse to be a part of the let's take back the House, let's take back the Senate crowd in Washington. I want to take back America. I want to do it now. And I don't want any more excuses from Republicans masquerading as conservatives.
2: You are a veteran. Uh, You worked on Capitol Hill for both Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, who you went back and forth with on Twitter, your old boss, uh, last week. So uh, you know that these kinds of games have been played for a long time. I mean, you were... You were on Cruz's staff, the scene in his 2016 book that opens the book. You were on his staff at that point in time when they were sitting there and game planning out who was going to take this crappy vote and and cover each other's backsides for caucus cohesion and unity, right? So you know that this is not new, that these kinds of parlor games have gone on for many, many years. My question to you, though, with that in mind is this, Chip, because I think this is an important distinction our audience needs to know. Because I think a lot, a lot of our audience, you know, they're getting more radicalized seeing the more radicalized threat that is facing them. Some examples that you cited, what we need to know though, is this, how many people there just don't know? Cause there's no point wasting time calling so-and-so if they're just, if they're completely gone, that you can't move them. So don't waste your time, kick the dust off your sandals and move on. How many of your colleagues up there do you think just don't truly understand what time it is? And need to be alerted by their their constituents at the level of threat here. And then how many of them, it wouldn't matter. Like, I don't think it matters how many times you call Mitt Romney. Dude, the dude could have won the presidency on eating a damn chicken sandwich chip. And he wouldn't even do that. Okay. So like how many of them just, we hate you and we wouldn't do this even if we did get what time it was. And then how many of them really could get a, you know, you could light a fire underneath their backsides chip.
1: Well, I think uh, on a slightly optimistic viewpoint, I think it's a small block that fall into that, I hate you, I'm just gonna do whatever, the opposite of whatever you want crowd. Uh, I do think that is a relatively small block. The much larger block of Republicans in the establishment or whatever you wanna call it, are ones who truly do not understand what time it is. I like the way that you put that and some of our friends put that. I had an exchange today with some Republican leaders. I won't say who, i mean, in private conversations, but in a broad sense, my position, and you've seen me call for it, and so have some of your viewers, calling for us to do something bold on March 1st, the day of the State of the Union, when Joe, Joe Biden's coming up, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have this whole show set up, and you gotta get tested, stick a stick up your nose, wear an N95, they're putting fence up around the Capitol. It's all a show, it's a sham, it's an offense. Uh, it's offensive to the American people. Uh, we shouldn't take part of it, in my view. And instead, we should do something bold. I've been saying we should get a charter plane, fly to McAllen, and we should go out, and all 262 Republicans in the Senate and the House should stand on the border in solidarity with the American people, the people of South Texas, Hispanics who are hopping mad at Joe Biden, standing up for a secure border, standing up for parents who have lost their kids on opioid poisonings, and send us a signal, we're not going to dance. We're not going to play this game, Joe Biden. We're going to fight for the American people. And you know what? I, I said, look, if that's logistically too difficult, fine. I get it. I, lo, it, lo, I would do it. But okay, what are we going to do instead? And what I said was words aren't enough. The time right now calls for more than that. When people are facing having their bank accounts frozen, I realize that's a Canadian play, but it's right here too. Mm-hmm. When they're being booted, when Willie Nelson pulls his music from Spotify, that crazy old hippie who wants everybody to smoke pot, And that guy won't leave his music on Spotify because Joe Rogan dares question that maybe an American should be able to say, I don't want to get jabbed. I mean, it's absurd where we are canceling people, freezing people out, targeting them, going after them, losing their jobs. We need a bold stance by Republicans to say that they get it, that they understand what our forefathers fought for, that they fought to create this great country with blood, sweat, tears and being willing to lose comfort. For freedom. And that's our calling.
2: What can our audience do to help you then? Like, like, like I would, I don't think it, I don't think calling Richard Burr makes a difference. I don't think, I don't, we could, you and I might disagree on whether calling Lindsey Graham makes a difference. I, they're busy, as you know. Okay. I want them to work smart and not hard. Who should they call? Who? What What? What can they do to stand with you? Because the, the, so many of them agree with you, but, but we want to make this a good investment of their time. So what's movable here?
1: Well, I understand that everybody is understandably concerned after what happened January 6th about how we rally in the streets, but I'm going to say watching those Canadian truckers, we need Americans to start voicing their discontent at the volume that Canadian truckers are doing it. I know some American truckers are talking about it, but I'm asking all of you activists out there, let's get engaged and we need to demonstrate and show how much we want to fight for freedom. Look, I think there are three things that we need to do to to, to make a giant step forward in taking back America. The first thing is strengthen your state. Strengthen Iowa if you're listening to Steve, if you're listening across the country, strengthen your home state. Texas isn't as strong as it needs to be. We need to stand up strong for education freedom, for energy freedom, for border security, standing in defense of cops, making our streets safe. Stop waiting on Washington, stop waiting on the president. Get out there and fight for your state, number one. Number two, hold Republicans accountable. Yes, call every Republican, even if it's Richard Byrne, his foot's halfway out the door. Call every single Republican senator and demand that they stop FUNDING ENFORCEMENT OF THOSE VACCINE MANDATES, CHILD MASK MANDATES, DEMAND THEY STAND UP FOR A SECURE BORDER, SAY THAT YOU'RE WATCHING THEM, AND AT THE VERY NEXT PRIMARY, YOU WILL HOLD THEM ACCOUNTABLE. NUMBER THREE, WE NEED TO WIN THE CULTURE WAR. and BY THAT, I MEAN WE NEED TO TAKE BACK OUR SCHOOLS, FIGHT TO TAKE OUR SCHOOL BOARDS BACK. WE NEED TO BEAT GEORGE SOROS AND TAKE BACK OUR DISTRICT ATTORNEY'S OFFICE. PAY ATTENTION TO YOUR LOCAL RACES. Pay attention to your state representatives, your DAs, your school boards, your mayors, your county commissioners, because you better have a strong community to stand up against the AOCs and the California types who want to come in and start taking over your ability to live your life. And final point, we're going to have to go to war with corporate America. Get ready for it. We have to go take power back away from where corporations have it over us. Stand up for small businesses, stand up for our communities, Stand up for our churches. Stand up for our families. But we got to break the back of the corporate cronyism stranglehold. So that's what I'm saying. You get involved. Be smart about where you buy your stuff. Buy it from local businesses. Do what you can to help your local restaurants and your local business owners. But then get in there, vote, DAs, school boards, etc., and hold Republicans accountable. It is not wasted. They are largely fearful of you.
2: Final thing, March 11th and March, March 11th is another key date. That's the next key date coming up here. Tell us about that.
1: So as you know, our Republican colleagues uh, folded in December, punted till February 18th. We ginned up a pretty good fight, and we really rallied, and, and I think we sent a strong message on February 28th. Unfortunately, we fell short, as we just described. Well, they punted that date to March 11th. So we are less than three weeks away from when our government funding expires send a message to every one of your elected office holders. I'm going to hold you personally accountable. If you vote to fund the government that is taking on its tyrannical action against me, my families, and my loved ones, causing them to lose their jobs, causing my children to be massed in schools, take it out on those elected office holders, demand that they do the right thing, and stop funding tyranny.
2: Chip, you're doing the Lord's work, man. And, and now I, th- I think we are approaching a... An acceptable level of scorched earth, so I will keep supplying you kerosene. Okay.
1: Hey, Amen, This is look. We th- you got to be willing to lose this country in order to save this country. Mm-hmm. That's what you got to be willing to do. Mm-hmm. You have got to stand up for freedom. You got to stand up for your family. Got to remember the Texas Rangers who were fighting Comanches and Texas bandits in the mid 1800s, like my great great grandfather. You got to remember what people bled and died for. I don't want any more of these excuses. No more weepy eyes about your, your great-grandfather or grandfather in Normandy. It's your time. It's our time to stand up for freedom. That's what our, our calling is today. So God bless you, Steve, for being a beacon of hope for a lot of people out there. And thank you to all your listeners.
2: Same to you, brother. Well said. All right, take care. God bless you. You bet. Chip brought to you by, appropriately enough, Built Bar, the greatest protein bar of all time if uh, you want to treat yourself, but you don't want to regret it later. How about something that tastes as good, if not better, than a lot of the candy bars on the market, except it's a protein bar. You won't believe how good it is. I just had a coconut brownie chunk during the last break. Still number two in my built Bar flavor power ratings. Still lives up to the hype. All of these flavors covered in real chocolate, loaded with real protein and flavor, not low, packed with carbs, calories, or sugars. You won't believe how few calories and how few carbs are in this, net carbs. All right. So if you want to give it a shot so many great flavors you can try one try them all uh you can go for the first time or the next or the next or the next or the next time and use my last name dace as your promo code to get 15% off d e a c e 15% off when you go to built.com for built bar built.com promo code dace to get 15% off at built.com all right some thoughts in the conversation we just had with uh, congressman chip roy
0: i love how his advice was not call this person Uh, Here in D.C. said no, right. It's right there in front of you somewhere locally where you have to do the work. They're scared of you there. You do it there. It's going to trickle up Uh, recently and what we're going on here with uh, the legislation of Save Girl Sports here in Iowa talking with a local uh, um, uh, advocate here that you and I both know. Uh, Steve and he said this is amazing here we have at least 50 50 representation at worst if not more here he said I've spent my career on issues like this and I've been like one guy in a room we all put our life and freedom on autopilot for way too long we need to stand a post locally right now without excuses
3: yeah, no more, no more. If you live, if you live in a in a red state or a red area of a state, there's this huge temptation. I don't like Mitch McConnell. I don't like John Cornyn. I don't like Elise Stefanik. Good thing my guy's not like them. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Because you know what? Those people in those districts are saying the exact same damn thing. I don't like Richard Burr. I don't like. They're saying the same thing. Take care of the trash in your own backyard first and then maybe, you know, we can we can figure things out from there just along the lines of, of what Todd was saying. No more complacency. No more complacency. Demand and expect uh d- d- demand more from your from your elected representatives but always always expect them to stab you in the back. Always, always have the expectation that they're not on the up and up. Always be suspicious of them. It'd be nice if this employee-employer relationship was a little bit more trustworthy, but they have not uh, proven themselves. By and large, most of the Republicans in Congress and in your own neighborhood have not proven themselves trustworthy. Make them earn that trust.
2: This isn't and has never been about the character of our elected representatives. It is and always has been about our own collective character. That doesn't mean we don't screen for character and conviction when we screen candidates. But there, there's very few Daniel Websters or Chip Roys in the world, and, there, that's, and it's always been that way. So the question is, this is what that whole the Constitution was meant only for a moral and religious people kind of thing that John Adams is talking about. What does that mean? It means this. Do we have the character to demand better and more from our elected representatives or will we get complacent and allow them to ruin our collective character? That's, somebody's character is going to be justified here. It's just a matter of which one? Hour two is next. We're back with hour two live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todders and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. This portion of the show brought to you by the Z-Stack from... Our new friend, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, that we had on the show last week. If the last two years has taught us anything, it's that we have to take control of our own health. You simply cannot rely on government and big pharma any longer to protect you and your family. And that's where the Z-Stack comes in, specially formulated immune-boosting supplement that includes zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, all in one pill to undergird you, to give you that armor of protection of prophylaxis should you encounter a COVID infection later. Uh, By taking this daily, you are supercharging your immune system Uh, And can also uh, maybe uh, stay ahead of any potential future variants by preparing your immune system for them. So if you want to try it right now, you can also receive some exclusive updates from Dr. Zelenko. Uh, He's got a microbiology background, so you can help... Stay you can uh, keep yourself informed there as well at zstacklife.com slash dace. That's where you can go and order the stack and get a discount. Uh, when you go to stack Z as in Zebra, ZstackLife.com slash dace. That's ZstackLife.com slash dace. All right, what you are about to hear is an abridged version of a sermon, uh, a, a that I gave a message, a homily, that I gave to a men's group at a church here in uh, central Iowa a couple of weeks ago on Nehemiah 13. And after getting through the end of it, I decided, you know what, I think a larger audience maybe needs to hear this. If for no other reason, then I've got to get some things off my chest. And I do that in this message. I don't even know what else to say to... To introduce it other than I'll reiterate when I got done, one of the wives who cooked breakfast for the men that morning came up to me with tears in her eyes, thanking me for this challenge of the men in her church. So, fellas, if you wince at any of this, I promise you somewhere there is a mom, a sister, a wife, a girlfriend who's wincing as well. Ed, you're wincing and would like it to stop. It is time to take a stand now, or we will ask worse things of our children later. Let us begin. I want us to go to Nehemiah 13, if you have your Bibles. And I'm curious how often you've heard, how often you've heard a sermon on this text. There's all kinds of things in the scriptures that because they don't meet our Western standards of nice, you've probably never heard a sermon on them. And I, I love in CS Lewis the lion, the witch in the wardrobe before the children go to meet Aslan, the lion for the first time. And little Lucy says to Mr. Beaver is Aslan Safe. And Mr. Beaver says, oh, no, sweetie, he is a roaring lion after all. He is not safe, but he is good. Too many of the men in this room, without knowing any of you, but I speak to enough of you to know, because if it's one, it is too many. Too many men in this room are safe but they are not good. Too many men in this country and culture are safe, but they are not good. Have mistaken nice for righteous tone for holiness. Meanwhile, the world around us, the culture around us, the community around us literally goes to hell, but it's okay because we're nice. We're to talk about a portion of of Scripture that is going to contradict all of those current contemporary American church biases. Reminds me when I was asked to speak to Des Moines Christian a few years ago at a chapel. It was to the senior graduating class. And I had the girls sit on one side and the boys sit on the other. And I asked them, I said, hey, how many of you are convinced It is not what you say, but how you say it. How many hands do you think went up? Almost every single one. So I said, let's test this. And I walked over to the girls and I said, I want you to fast forward here in about 10 years. You're married with children. Your husband comes home from work and he says, wow, dinner smells great. Is that my favorite dish again? I cannot believe how well kept the house is. I am a blessed man. And then look at our children dutifully home from school and doing their homework. You run a tight ship. I am a blessed man. Oh, by the way, we just hired a hot assistant at work. Her and I had quite the nooner. Anyway, what time's dinner? And my goodness, that's my favorite dress. You're beautiful. Silence in the auditorium. And I said, why so quiet? His tone was great. He complimented you. At least several times before he then dropped the hammer on you. That's not what you say, but how you say it. You should be totally okay with it. Because his tone was good. That is who we are as men in this country right now. The devil walks into our homes. Has his way with our wives. While we're in the room. Then sweaty, spent walks down the stairs, goes into our refrigerators, grabs a beer and says, hey man, where's the remote? And we give it to him because we're safe. That's why our kids were choked out by useless Chinese face diapers that never work, haven't worked, which is why you haven't worn those things your entire life over flu season. They don't work. That's why you get banned for saying things on social media that they then will admit are true. Like now CDC wants to tell you the truth that their jabs don't work. And so you have to get them four times in a year. A vaccine so good, you have to get it four times in a year. Have you ever had a vaccine that did that? No, because then it wouldn't be what? A vaccine, guys, but that's okay. I'll take it in the shorts because I got to keep my job. Got to keep the family happy. We won't get to go over to Aunt Petunia's for a family reunion we all hate if I don't because, you know, Aunt Petunia runs the show, not me. On and on and on it goes. And then lo and behold, I have no idea what the beliefs are of the trucker convoy in Canada. But lo and behold, finally some people got together and said, you know what? No. Here's our answer. We thought about it and we're going to come back with a good, solid, uh, nope, no, we're not doing it, but thanks. Appreciate it. They've brought an entire country to its knees. A country that just a few, about 10 minutes ago, elected a boy king wannabe Game of Thrones character, prime minister. They brought it to its knees. We used to do stuff like that. It was called the Civil Rights Movement out of Ebenezer Church in Atlanta. We used to do stuff like that in the church. We used to do stuff like that. We used to get together, finally have enough of the evil in our midst and just say, you know what? Our only mistake here is we didn't say this sooner, but here's our new answer. No. No. And if you do this to my children, oh, You better hope I heard a sermon about turning the other cheek last Sunday, and it's fresh in my memory. Too many of us are safe, so we're not good. So the scripture we're going to look at today is a scripture about a guy who was, by our standards today, totally and completely not safe. But something must be good because he is recorded into perpetuity, into all of eternity in the word of God. In fact, he gets his own book. Got his own book. And we're going to listen today to the crescendo, how it ends, his final thoughts, or as it says in the header, his final reforms. Doesn't that sound so bureaucratic too? Final reforms. Like they got together, they had a focus group, you know, they brainstormed this thing out, they worked the whiteboard, and they came together with their final reforms. Let me tell you how Nehemiah reforms things. On that day, they read from the book of Moses, that's the Bible, in the hearing of the people. And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned that curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now, foreign here does not necessarily mean ethnicity. It means belief. It's just that Israel was a direct theocracy, so the two were often linked. But you could convert, we know this, because there's also a book called Ruth, right? And in the book of Ruth, one of the individuals is a Moabitess, And she is permitted to convert, meaning leave behind her former culture and customs and now join God's covenant with Israel. So this is not ethnic or racial. This is religious. They're purging their religious institutions of people who, well, don't believe in their religion. Shocking. Can you only imagine what the hashtag on Twitter would be? Oh, no hashtag bigot, hashtag intolerant. Well, instead, God has his own hashtag, hashtag Nehemiah. That's trending for, if you know the date of this book, about um, uh, 3,000 years. Now, before this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God and who who was related to Tobiah. Now, Tobiah, this is a key name here. In the book of Nehemiah, there are two villains, Tobiah and Sandballot. Sanballat's name will come up here at the end of this chapter. Tobiah and Sandballot are the two little pipsqueak losers who attempt to come up to Nehemiah when he's got his sword in one hand, all right? And a working tool to rebuild the walls and the Bible in another, all right? And they try to get him to come down from the wall to talk, to focus group it, to brainstorm it, to chat it out. Join our Snapchat, hang out in the lobby, and let's talk about it. They're poser losers sent by the devil himself in order to stop the reasserting of the walls and the laying of the foundation of the temple, because it's not about reasserting or relabeling a nation state. It's about reestablishing a religious covenant. That's what this is. Those things are all symbolic of that. And so the devil doesn't want that covenant reestablished and re-recognized. So he sent Sanballat and Tobiah as his emissaries, just as God sent Nehemiah. Whenever you in your life attempt to rebuild the walls at work, in your family, here, in your community, I promise you, Sanballat and Tobiah will show up, I promise. If they don't, then you're not really rebuilding anything. You're not resetting anything at least nothing godly or righteous. You want Sandballot and Tobiah to show up. There used to be a time we used to have to have meetings like this and encourage the men to not overreact in confronting evil, to not do evil themselves. Don't do evil and call it good because you're confronting evil. That used to be what we'd have to do in men's ministries like this in America. It was a simpler time then. Now we have to say, men, evil, bad confront. Good. Sanballat and Tobiah will show. I promise they will. And sometimes it'll be family members. Sometimes it'll be the guy sitting next to you here in the room. Why? Because you're making him uncomfortable because you've, you've committed to an action. You've acted on conviction and he's uncomfortable with that because it convicts him that he's not, he's soft. So come down from the wall. Don't do the action. Don't rebuild your families. Don't rebuild your city. Don't rebuild your country. Don't rebuild your church. Don't rebuild the temple. It's offensive. Come down and let's let's talk it out. Now, before this, let's go back to the text. Eliashib, the priest who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God and who was related to Tobiah. So what does this mean? So we just heard a second ago, they just purged. They thought they did anyway. They just got through purging the church of unbelievers. Now there's a difference between a lack of faith and unbelief. A lack of faith, that's someone who's a sheep. We feed the sheep. Unbelief is a wolf. We shoot the wolves. Feed the sheep and we shoot the wolves. The priest is related
4: to the wolf. That didn't take long. The priest is related to the wolf.
2: And so, what does he do? He prepared for Tobiah a large chamber. This is an evil man, an unrepentant man, an agent of the enemy himself, who attempted to stop the rebuilding of the wall, the rededication of the temple that Nehemiah will do later with Ezra. He attempted to stop it. And how is he repaid? Nehemiah turns his back for five minutes, goes back home to Susa, and they appoint a priest who's related to him, who gives him the master bedroom. Prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil. This is a holy place, guys. By the way,
4: the tithes, who are those supposed to be for? Who are those supposed to be for? God. And they have put. This heathen, pagan, demonic fool
2: in this room with these sacred offerings to God. While this was taking place, Nehemiah writes in the first person, I was not in Jerusalem for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time, I asked to leave of the king and came to Jerusalem and then discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah. Nehemiah thinks he's retired, that he has done his tour of duty. There are some gentlemen in here of an older generation than me probably about the age culturally that Nehemiah was at this time. You may think you've done your tour of duty. Maybe God has nothing more for me to do. No more fights for me. I I settle in on the shuffleboard in the country time. I did my tour of duty. If you are here this morning and breathing and alert, no, you have more fights to wage. Nehemiah thought that too. He thought he was retired. He thought he had done his tour of duty. Time to kick up his feet. And he finds out, I left you all alone for five minutes. And look what happens. Nehemiah says, "I wrote a really passionate blog. I called my favorite talk radio show and I, I I I gave an angst-ridden rant." Nehemiah says, "Man, I just went home and I was in a really surly mood. And I went to my man cave and I turned on my PlayStation and you know I listened to a podcast until I could just calm down." Nope. Nehemiah says, "And I was very angry." Then I gave orders and they cleansed the chambers and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also found that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. That's the worker is worth his wages. The worker is worth his hire. That was also to pay for them to do the Lord's work. We sit around and grumble when they pass the plate here, here Nehemiah is like, y'all didn't pay these priests what they are owed, what they deserve. so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the
4: officials. I sent them a sternly worded letter. I tweeted. I called my favorite talk radio show, diff- using
2: a different name, of course, because no one would know my voice, because I don't want them to get mad at me at work. I sent to Steve Day's podcast an email telling them about all the terrible things that the company I work for is doing, and then I ended it, but please don't use my name. I don't want to lose my job. Didn't do any of those things. Nehemiah says, I confronted the officials. I confronted, I confronted. When was the last time you confronted someone over something they did that was evil and did harm to others? I don't know, guys. Have you seen any examples of this over the last 23 months? Anybody, anybody got anything over the last 23 months of anything you think might be worthy of confronting for a nanosecond at all? What do you think? Yeah, me neither. Got nothing for you. So I confronted the officials and said, why is the house of God forsaken? Now, this is key. This is key. Remember I said a few minutes ago, in other eras, we would have had to talk men down from overreacting. Paul says, do not sin in your anger. We look at that as that's an action or or a, a tone that we could exercise that would cause us to sin. My youngest daughter, Zoe, when she was little, I couldn't get her to stand still no matter what I did, man. I could mummify that young, that little princess, and she would take off on me. So one day we're in the Hy-Vee parking lot, putting the groceries away, and I looked at Zoe and I said, sweetie, just sit right here. Let Daddy, do this real quick, and then I'll get you in, and we'll be good to go. Like Nehemiah, man, I turned my back for a minute. Where do you think Zoe is? starting to make her way through the icy parking lot. Now, I suppose what I could have done here, Zoe, sweetie, pumpkinhead that's what we used to call her when she was little, your daddy's sweetie heart, I still call her that now at 16, please come back. Please, I mean, I wouldn't want to violate your free will, of course. So please come back of your own volition to the car and don't play in traffic where it's unsafe.
4: And then just allowed her on her own to figure it out. I could have done that. Would that have made me a good dad? I don't know. I chose the other path. As fast as I could,
2: which if you're looking at me, clearly isn't all that fast. As fast as I could, I grabbed her by that little hood, the back of her little hoodie, and yanked her out of that parking lot. So that if you did not know the context of what was going on here, you might have thought, hey, this is, this is a dad acting out. This is bad. In other words, the fear is that in confronting something bad, I'd go too far, as opposed to what we have now, we just won't confront it at all. I yanked her by the little hoodie out of that parking lot right before a car came by. And then I got down on my knee, and I said, you ever do, if you ever, you ever try to harm yourself again, I'll kill you. I didn't quite put it that way. all right? But I'm like, don't ever do that again, to put the fear of God in her. Now, which option do you think is the good dad? The one who acted, but whose tone might seem might seem a little harsh. Or the dad whose tone was just on point, on fleek, as the kids say today. It was lit. You'd be totally fine sharing that one with your Nana. Which was the better dad, do you think, men? The one who acted. The one who did. Didn't blog. Didn't talk. The one who confronted. But see, here's the thing. Whatever we do to do in love, what is love? Is it a tone? No. Is it an emotion? No. It is a motivation. The same Paul who says, use words of love seasoned with salt, is the same one who then says, you are a son of the devil. Same guy. Same guy. Same guy. Same God who looks at the Israelites and says, right now, you guys or y'all are going to be my ultimate urban renewal plan. Leave nothing. Control-Alt-Delete, you got swords, weapons, go get them. It's the same one who then lays his arms out as wide as he can on a cross and says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Same God, how do we reconcile that? Because God is love and God and, and love is a motivation. It is a motivation. It's not a tone. It's not an emotion. It's not a sentiment. It's a motivation. My motivation for grabbing Zoe by the hoodie wasn't that I was irritated. It's that I was afraid for her life. I love her. And my other two children will tell you, it is true. I will own it now. I have spoiled her more than all three of them. That was my motivation.
4: Nehemiah tells you his motivation here. Nehemiah says, why is the house of God forsaken?
2: Nehemiah does, Nehemiah does not say, why did you guys, didn't I tell you guys what to do? Why aren't you following my orders? Goodness, I leave you guys alone for
4: five minutes and look what happens. It's not what he does. Why is the house of God forsaken? Nehemiah's
2: motivation for confrontation is the love of God. That is his motivation. The reverential love of God. How dare you? He didn't have to bring us back here to this land. We deserve the banishment that we received. We took our babies to the valley of Ben-Hinnom and we cast them into the fire to Malok.
4: We did not deserve this. We violated everything Moses warned us about. And yet he did bring us back. And he didn't have to, and we don't deserve it. And you've already forsaken his house? That's the motivation. Nehemiah loves God.
2: And I gathered them together, and I set them in their stations. Then all of Judah brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. They're not here now to honor Nehemiah, to satiate his anger. They are now going to honor God to satiate his. And I appointed his treasurers over the storehouses, Shemaliah, the priest, Zadok, the scribe, Padiah of the Levites, Hanan, son of Zechur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable. For they were considered reliable. In the midst of the confrontation, he went to the men he considered reliable. Are you reliable? When the confrontation begins, are you reliable? Can you be relied on? Can your daughters rely on you to confront their boyfriends? confront their wannabe husbands or maybe their current actual husbands when they get out of line? Can they call on you? Are you reliable when the confrontation goes down? And their duty was to distribute to their brothers, remember me, oh my God, concerning this and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of God. Not to be considered, he's just a good dude, a cool person. I did this for the house of God. I did it for you. In those days, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath, violating a clear commandment, and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Now, here's the thing the word there is sold. This wasn't, hey, we've got starving people, let's feed them, like some of the things that Jesus confronted in the New Testament. This is a market. This is a clear violation of the spirit of the Sabbath. I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. In Jerusalem itself, and he puts an exclamation point there like, I cannot believe how shameless these people are. It's one thing to do this out in the burbs, man. It's one thing to do this out there in the hinterlands or the rural
4: areas. They're doing this in Jerusalem? No shame. They went into your schools. They masked your
2: kids. Covered their faces with a useless Chinese face diaper. They did it to your kids. I can't believe that. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and I said to them, what is this evil thing that you are doing profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way and did not our God bring all this disaster? The word there, by the way, is a form of judgment. That's what that word means on us and on this city. Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Whose wrath? Whose wrath? Whose wrath? God's. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load may be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. And then I love this, but I warned them. And I said to them, why do you lodge outside the wall? The word there, by the way, is like our version of a loiter or linger. All right, they're waiting, assuming that they'll get their opportunity to violate the Sabbath and peddle their wares. And then he says, if you do so again, I will lay hands on you. If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. When was the last time you heard a sermon, by the way, on this text? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. That is part one of an abridged version of my message to the men of America and give Aaron a lot of credit for figuring out how in the heck, given the way I talk, to edit this down so that it will fit the, the full version we will post on our Rumble page later at rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace show, but we still have part two to go. And yes, we're going to stick around after we do part two and uh, discuss it more in detail for the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace for Blaze TV subscribers. We'll record that right after today's show. That's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at blazetv.com slash dace. Part two is next. Well, I know there's quite a few frustrated women listening to this. And when we get done with part two, you might want a cigarette afterwards. How about a glass of wine instead? It's a tad bit healthier. Uh, From our friends over at Bonner Private Wine, uh, some of the best red wines available in the world. They are grown from grapes deep in the Andes Mountains down in Argentina. Uh, All three of us have tried these wines, enjoy them immensely. Todd has enjoyed them immensely, though. Even more. Okay. These are Todd's built bars, are these red wines that we get in? Is that fair? Oh, more than fair. Yes. I will do all my own science on these. <laughs> all right. So if you want to find out why this has become Todd's addiction, and we all like them too, but I mean, Todd really likes them. All right. So you can visit uh, Bonner Private slash Steve. Fantastic red wines. It's getting to be growing season here again soon. All right. Spring is just around the corner. BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. 50% off the wine and 50% off the shipping as well. So uh, you get huge savings at both ends of the equation. You don't need a promo code. You just need to go to BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. All right. Part two of my message to the men of America. Nehemiah says, if you do so again, I will lay hands on you. I'm going to say something really sensitive now, as if I haven't before. I cannot tell you how many emails I have gotten over the last 23 months from women who wishing that their husbands would lay some hands on some people. Frankly, starting with them. How can I get my husband to realize sex with me is better than whatever they're doing on the internet? And then maybe can I stoke my husband's passion that he might actually stand up and defend our kids, defend our way of life? How do I get him to do that? Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In those days, I also saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each other people, meaning they had completely abandoned their birthright. And I confronted them, there's that word again, and I cursed them and I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made them take an oath in the name of God saying, you shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. In other words, you should not, you will not marry outside of God's covenant and bring other religions, demonic religions into this covenant. You will not do it. What happened to, what happened to Solomon's reign He goes from the wisest man who ever lived to building bigger temples for pagan women that he's married to and their gods than he did the God. Did Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations, there was no king like him and he was beloved by his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? Again, the foreign context here is people of a fake demonic religion. And one of the sons of Jehida, the son of Iliashib, the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sanballat the Horonite. There's that name I promised you earlier. Therefore, I chased him from me. Notice all the action verbs here. Have you noticed this? I confronted, I chased, I grabbed. Remember them, oh my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood of the Levites. Just as he asked God to remember him for what he did in service to him, he asked God to remember them in judgment for what they did against him and his people. He asks for justice. Thus, I cleansed them from everything foreign and established the duties of the priest and Levites, each in his own work, and I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. He is, now we're going to have reformation. We are going to worship, what's a reformation? Worshiping, the God, worshiping God in the way he deserves and demands. That's what it means. From a portion of scripture that you've never in your life probably heard a sermon from, or certainly not in recent times, because it violates every edict of watered down. We don't have toxic masculinity, America. We don't have any
4: masculinity. We don't have any masculinity.
2: Final words. Remember me, oh my God, for good. Now, I will confess something to you here this morning. I've had a lot of pent-up frustration these last 23 months watching our passivity play itself out on a large scale. And that's why I'm glad they fed you all this morning before I talked and gave you a good breakfast because unfortunately, I just took some of that out on you,
4: okay? In the last 23 months, whether you could breathe, whether you could go to church, whether you could leave your home, These are things
2: no previous generation of Americans, unless they were black and lived in the South during Jim Crow or during the era of slavery, but en masse, no previous generation of Americans have ever had to wrestle with, ever. And why is that? Because as Chesterton once said, we're the only country that was, was ever founded on a creed. And what is that creed? that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable or God-given rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In other words, our belief system is that creed. It is no coincidence that as the country has turned more away from God and the church, it has turned more to the kind of tyranny and oppression that you have experienced over the last 23 months. And if we do not confront it, men, and we don't do it peaceably now, some of you have your sons here. Look at them for me, please. Because if you don't confront them peaceably now, you're going to sentence your sons to have to confront them in a different means later. You see the video that went out over from Nevada the other day, the children celebrating when they got to take their masks off. Where were the convoys of parents who sent their kids into those schools saying, no, no. But we thought about it, looked at your idea, and here's our answer. That's got to be a no for me, dog. I watched a documentary about a guy named Jordan Peterson about six months ago, the Canadian psychologist that's become like a global phenomenon. And with everything I have going on, I just wasn't that familiar with his work. So I was kind of wanting to see what is it about this guy? What's his message that's different from what all kinds of us were already doing and watching this documentary it dawned on, it became very clear. As I watched young men, your Gen Z millennial young men waiting long lines after one of his talks where frankly he had just berated them the way I just did you. If you watch his talks, that's often what he does. Clean your room, get a job, marry a girl. That's pretty much what he does. He's like the male Dr. Laura, all right? And you just there and berated these guys for 60 minutes. But then he closed with the idea that the reason I berated you is
4: because you were made to be more than this. There's more to your life than this. And lines of young men came up to honor him as if he were their father or another kind of father, their priest.
2: And it broke my heart because I know what that means because I was one of those young men. I grew up in a home where I had to once defend my mom from my own dad. I grew up in a home with domestic violence. I grew up in a home where no one told me, you're a man now. You are ready to assume the legacy, the responsibility that God has for your life. No one told me that. And I have a wake of destruction and self-destruction that I caused and that others caused me. Until God intervened. And He's been intervening in my life now for going on 20 years, and there is still plenty of destruction I'm trying to avoid causing because I'm hardly a finished product. And I know a lot of you think, you know what, Steve, I just, I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. I'm not moral enough. I don't have the standing to confront anybody.
4: You're right, you don't. You're never going to be moral enough. You're never going to be righteous enough and you're never going to be
2: holy enough. But he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of completion. Be self-aware. Maybe that means you shouldn't be the elder in your church. Maybe that means you shouldn't probably go to seminary. It doesn't still mean though you can't be a Nehemiah. He's not
4: a priest. He's not a Levite. You can still confront. You can still take a stand. What does it mean to be a man? My oldest Anna,
2: who's basically me in drag. If I was a girl, I'd be my oldest Anastasia. And one day she asked me, "Daddy, what is a man?" And so I did this thing that we all do when our kids ask us questions we don't know the answer to yet, so we stall for time. "What'd you say, sweetie?" That's what I did. And she goes, and I thought I was kind of hoping maybe that would just totally distract her and get her on something else. But no. Because she's exactly like me, she recognized even at seven what a stall tactic was. And she looked at me and said, no, daddy, what is a man? And I stopped and I thought about it for a second. And I opened my mouth and this is the answer I gave her. A man is somebody who does what he knows is right, even if he doesn't want to do it, because he loves the people he's doing it for more than he loves himself. That is a man. You are here to protect Defend and provide, not in that last word, not just materially. I think, as American men, most of us have got the whole providing materially thing. We got that thing down. Are we providing emotionally, spiritually, morally, physically? Will we confront? Will we? Because whatever these spiritual dark forces, whatever we showed them we're willing to tolerate these last 23 months, this is all going to go away now but it's just going to go under the surface. It will come back. We showed evil that we are willing to tolerate it to a point. Evil never retreats on its own. It must be confronted and forced back. When it returns, and mark my words, it will. It may not be a virus. It may be in a different context, but it will come back. Something wicked this way comes. It will return. Are you ready now to confront Will you confront? Will you protect, defend, and provide? Because it will come back. And I bring and I close with this. I have good news for you this morning. If you are unsure of whether or
4: not you have what it takes to do that, we're going to find out. Because all of us are going to be challenged to that
2: degree. You are watching spiritual warfare play out within a culture on a level that is
4: right out of a left-behind book. And it's happening right now in the era in which you live. You have three options. You're a treacherous sandballot and Tobiah. You can continue in the cruelty of the passivity
2: that has relegated us to nothing other than just clock punchers at a job putting food on a table with no other
4: greater purpose or mission than that. You know, the American dream. Or you can be a Nehemiah and the choice is now yours. Thank you.
2: Uh, In these unprecedented times, things, Uh, if you're getting into the real estate market, make sure you do with an agent that you can trust someone with a fully vetted, proven track record of success. And if you're looking for that person, kind of handy place to know to go to find them is this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. And this is a business started by Glenn Beck and some of his buddies because they ran into real estate agents they could not trust. They don't want that to happen to us, and so they created this referral service. A lot of these were agents that just emerged originally right out of this audience, and then it just kind of ballooned from there. So just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can hook you up with one of these, and it is vital to have one, trust me. Realestateagentsitrust.com, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. So what you have been listening to this hour is a presentation I gave a couple of weeks ago to a church here in Central Iowa. There was about 30 to 40 men there, I would say. Pretty sprawled out throughout the room. A couple of them got up and actually left in the middle of it, which, not knowing their reasonings, I took as a compliment, okay? Uh, But um, I did my best to remove, and when you get the unabridged version... Uh, because we don't have to worry about fitting it into a show clock. The whole thing's about 45 minutes. Aaron will post that separately here later at rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Um, you'll see that um, I wasn't always successful and not projecting my own frustrations at that pest at the passivity I've witnessed on a chronic and acute systemic level the last 23 months. But um I thought that this intimate setting was an opportunity for me to kind of collect and coagulate numerous streams of thoughts over the last 23 months into one message. And, uh, and then after it got done, after a lot of the people I talked to afterwards, I thought, you know what, I think this is something that maybe we need to share with our audience. So we will stick around after we're done here in just a couple of minutes and get some more in-depth commentary from Todd and Aaron on what you've just heard in the overtime that we'll record for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. But um, we got about exactly two minutes. So each of you take a minute here. Quick thoughts on what we just shared with this audience. Well, the
0: fact that it uh, needs to be said at all, I've heard of that a lot lately, being up at the Capitol about what we're dealing with up there. Like, we can't believe we have to say this. The same applies to this, quite frankly. The fact that this needs to be said uh, to men at all is a sign, not that judgment is coming, as you always say, but that we are, in fact, under judgment. And we're under judgment because look at one of the most basic callings right from Genesis of who men are called to be is constantly being passed on. So this is inevitable where we are when we so often redefine truth, redefine God's purpose for us, just as happened in the garden. We will end up east of Eden. There's no question about it.
3: That's well said. And I think this boils down to, you know, if, if this thing called Western civilization and American exceptionalism is at, a, at the end, regardless of, of what happens, it's just under divine judgment. Let it just be because of divine judgment. Don't let it be, at least in your own world, don't, don't let it be because it's of you. Are, are you partly to blame for this? Is the passivity partly to blame? If the answer to that question is anything short of no, when you uh, get time to die and go be with Jesus, something along the way went something along the way went wrong. But you still have time.
2: No wasted ammo, men. Can't take any of it with you. Fire every bullet you have while you can. John three seventeen.